the right, Bennett to tight end left. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it up to the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's still a touchdown. And a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Welcome to the latest episode of the Pat Splits podcast presented by SB Nation. I'm your host, Stephen Thompson. Alongside me, my co-host, Chris Blackie. Got another special guest on tonight, Henry McKenna from USA Today, Patriots Wire. How's it going, man? Thanks for coming on. Hey, guys. How's it going? Pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, another playoff week for the Patriots, so kind of hard to complain. (laughs) (laughs) Funny entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we figured this kind of preview the Chargers game you know what kind of challenges do you think they're going to give the Patriots like offensively defensively things like that of course yeah so obviously I mean Bill talked about it today the, this team hasn't lost many games and what's what's wild about them is that they haven't played a home game this season they play Bill didn't say that but I will uh, they, they play in Los Angeles and nobody likes them in Los Angeles so it's pretty remarkable how I, I mean think about how this Patriots team can I mean it feels like they can only win at home mm-hmm. and for LA to win you know now 17 games on the road basically is remarkable so from a toughness standpoint I don't think you can question them um, from a preparation standpoint from a mental mental sort of uh, endurance step, standpoint hats up to them and then from a personnel standpoint, they're pretty ridiculous. I picked them at the start of the season to uh, make it to the Super Bowl. And, or uh, yeah, I had them losing to the Saints in the Super Bowl. So, um, and I largely did that based on all of the talent that they have. Now that Hunter Henry's coming back, I mean, I don't know how healthy he'll be, but him, Gates, Keenan Allen, Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, and even Rivers is having kind of an MVP season. Uh, so from a skill skill player standpoint, they're they're ridiculous. And then their pass rush has just too much talent with Bosa and Ingram. And um, this this rookie Derwin James is playing like he's been a five year veteran at safety. And they run a Seattle system on defense, and so that safety player is so important to them that he is one of the best players. You know, not only at his position, but sort of in the NFL. And I don't think he's far from that. You know, you look at Seattle, they've got Earl Thomas. And then you look at Atlanta who runs the same system with Dan Quinn and they've got Keanu Neal. Well, Derwin James is up there with those, those guys. He he deserves a lot of respect and he'll get it from the Patriots this week. Yeah. Good point. So do you think James will probably cover Gronk? I think he'll do a little bit of everything. Uh, that's kind of how he how he rolls. Um, I think he'll get Gronk a bunch because as much as Gronk is declining, he's still a guy that if you don't give him enough attention, he will beat you. It's just that now if you give him enough attention, he can't perform. But that's, that, there's something to be said for that, even though it's not, you know, all-time great performance. There's something to be said for a player who demands the – the most um, talented, versatile player. And it's why James White had such a good season 
to start is because a lot of the times you can use the same personnel to cover a pass catching tight end as you can a pass catching running back. So if Gronk's getting the best sort of versatile safety, then you know that Patriots have some freedom for some of their other weapons to get open. And I know it's kind of for some listeners that might be totally familiar, um, and for some it might not. But um, so yeah, I could see Derwin James spending a lot of time with Gronk, uh, without a doubt. And depending on how healthy their linebackers are, I could see some of them uh, covering Gronk as well. How do you think the Patriots are going to attack the Chargers' defense? I think they should start by running Sony Michelle. I think that's honestly how they should start every game, is to see if they can get their run game going. Because when when they can possess the ball for long periods of time, it's not like when when you know Brady is firing on all cylinders with a, a huge offensive uh, – attack where you've got, you know, three or four different pass catchers who are going to beat their one-on-one matchups like sort of last year when Brandon Cooks, Danny Amendola, uh, Gronk, James White, all these guys could win one-on-one matchups. This year it's, it feels very different. Edelman can win his one-on-one matchups. And, I, I mean, honestly, who else are you going to count on? James White probably. Uh, that's it. If Edelman and James White are the guys that you are sure can win their one-on-one matchups, it's a little scary. So you need to get Sony Michelle involved early and often. And if you can make him the most important offensive player in the game, and then I think uh, and have him be successful in that role, then I think that the Patriots are on a good track. Which I also kind of think Bel- is the reason why Belichick drafted Michelle so high. It's because he could see that Brady was maybe on the way toward a decline. And, and, I, and I'm not going to say, like, Brady's getting old. He's on a cliff, whatever. just going to say that, statistically speaking, he's not great this year. And uh, he's good, but he's not great. And I think that's in part because of who's around him. And uh, Belichick wanted to help establish the run game. He wanted to make it a focal point to alleviate the stress off Brady. And so, really, Michelle needs to play above not just sort of how he's been playing in recent weeks, but above, you know, the rookie caliber. Um, He needs to play exceptionally well. So that's where I would start in terms of offense is start with Michelle, and hopefully that will work. And if it doesn't, then you're going to have to figure out a way to get the quick passing game going with – Edelman and White and try to get those those pass rushers on their heels a little bit. Thompson? So it would be fair to say if Sony runs for over 100 yards, the Pats have a pretty good shot at winning? I'd say so. Uh, more than anything, I'd, I'd say I kind of add an asterisk to it and say <laughs> if he's running for, you know, four and a half or more yards per carry or, or five yards per carry, because when he gets below four, it gets a little dangerous from their sort of efficiency level where they're relying upon him, but they're not necessarily picking up first downs. So if he's able to break off a few chunk plays or even just rush for five yards of carry, but, you know, some, sometimes he rushes for five yards of carry, but he's not rushing for further than, 
you know, a long of 12 or 15. And that's actually pretty good for them because even if he's not going to put in a 65-yard chunk play, you know, he's going to be picking up seven yards, four yards, uh, and he's chewing away at the opposing defense. If they can't stop him, if he's just hammering through them, then that's an easy load for Brady, and that's an easy load for their defense, and a little ball control offense at Gillette Stadium, maybe with some messy conditions, could probably benefit them. So, yeah, I think that's that's probably, you know, a, a good barometer to, to measure some of their success. I like to say that football is one in the trenches. Who do you think has the advantage on the Patriots' offensive line and the Chargers' defensive line? When it comes to the passing game, it's going to have to be the Chargers. Just, I mean, it's, it can't be stated how good these two guys are, Bosa and Ingram. I mean, they, they're really two of the best uh, at their position in the NFL. So, and Bosa, I think, is kind of creeping into top five territory at the position. Um, so, probably advantage Chargers in the passing game. And then in the running game, you know, the, the Patriots' run offense has been so inconsistent with their blocking. Some games, Sony Michelle has holes that are, you know, the size of the craters on the moon. And then some games, he's got nowhere to go. And it, it really feels game to game. I don't, I don't know why that is. But, so, it really depends on which, which Patriots' offense shows up. If they can, if they can, uh, they can play well, um, then they'll have the advantage. Uh, sounds like an, an obvious thing, but like th- some, for some reason they've just been so variable, and uh, they sometimes make Michelle's life really easy. So if, I think I think that they get that they get the advantage in the run. Is there a specific player on that offensive line in your estimation that has to have a above-average game? On the offensive line. Um, On the offensive line, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the tackles have to play well because they're going to be trying to block Bosa and Ingram. So, you know, Trent Brown uh, is definitely one of them. But I I also said I think I kind of have to stick with my guns here and say that if I think the running game is so important, then probably you got to have Shaq Mason play well, whether it's power run blocking or blocking for screens or pulls blocking. Um, he's a pretty instrumental guy. So, you know, when the Patriots are running to the right, they're usually running behind Shaq and James Devlin. But sometimes when they're running to the left, they're still running behind Shaq. Uh, they're just pulling him. Mm-hmm because he's so athletic. He did it all the time at Georgia Tech and um, obviously has done it quite a bit since. So I think there was a touchdown a few weeks ago, and I honestly I can't remember the game, but Shaq comes flying across the left, from right to left, and up the hole and just stuffed a linebacker coming downhill. And Michelle comes right off of uh, Shaq's sort of left butt cheek into the end zone. And, it, I mean, it was just a really impressive block. Uh, and I think when he gets going, uh, the Patriots can run the ball uh, well behind him on, on really either side of the offensive line. Right, he's definitely an animal pack there, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Steve? So, on to the defense. I know there's a lot of fans and 
some media people that don't really like the Patriots defense. Where do you stand on the Patriots defense overall? Yeah, if you look overall, it's pretty hard to make like a definitive assessment on this defense, right? (laughs) You just look at their schedule um, and you see a team that has allowed a really small amount of points to – I'm trying to pull it up, honestly, so that I don't just cite random numbers. But um, So – Let's look real quick. I mean, you, you've got they shut down the Jets three points, obviously, right? But then they let up yep. 34 to Miami. Ryan Tannehill is going to be out of a job this year, and they <laughs> let up 34 points to Ryan Tannehill. I mean, that's and that wasn't that long ago. That was Week 14. That was December 9. But then they let up 17 points to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. And, and there's something to be said for that. That's a, that's a good offense. They may not have made the playoffs, but we're talking about a really good offense. Uh, one of the best, you know, groups of pass catchers and passer in the NFL. So, you know, it's a question of who's going to show up, kind of like what I was talking about with, with the offensive line. Um, and we've seen games where they look just devastating. You know, Green Bay was a good example, and so was Kansas City. And Andrew Callahan wrote a great deal about this. He works for Mass Live, a really great writer, just just on the beat this year. And he was writing about how the Amoeba defense has has been sort of phased in a little bit. And for those who aren't familiar, the Amoeba defense is when, um, you know, a traditional defense has defensive linemen with their hand in the dirt, and linebackers standing above them, just behind them. And then the safeties and cornerbacks sort of, you know, in an arc above them, with cornerbacks on the receivers and safeties deep off the line. And the maybe defense takes those players, and it oftentimes will have them all standing up and in this sort of mishmash in the middle of the field. So you don't know who's playing where, who's rushing the passer, whether it's a man defense, whether it's a zone defense, the tricky thing about it is that you're out of position on purpose. So you're trying to deceive the quarterback before the snap. It works against guys like Aaron Rodgers uh, in theory because they can look at a, a typical defense and see exactly what's going to happen uh, after the snap. Now, an amoeba defense makes it hard for, harder to read. The problem is that if it makes it harder for the quarterback to read, it's because the players are not where they're supposed to be. So they have to get where they're supposed to be. And that, that could be very challenging. And this defense did it very well. And I think that's because they have Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty, Dante Hightower, Kyle Vandoy, Trey Flowers, Stephon Gilmore. They have a lot of really talented players um, or players that have a lot of experience and are really smart, intelligent players. Jerron Harmon, Patrick Chung, our other ones that are good for, for that system if you can even really call it a system. Um, I guess it's more of a wrinkle if we're going to get really football, football jargony. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I, but I, I think that is exemplary sort of of what this Patriots defense at its best can be, which is a defense that's smarter than you, a defense that is more experienced and more versatile than you. And if they can play into that during their playoff run, 
they're going to be successful. But if they have to rely on raw speed, they're going to lose every time. So um, I think that's what kind of is what's tricky about this defense is, is how that game plan comes together against opposing offenses. And I think it could come together against the Chargers team. I think they're more talented than the Chargers are, but it's a question of how well this defense gets coached in terms of a game plan. Yeah, I think with the Patriots being at home, that's a huge advantage for them. They play so much better at home than they do on the road, especially defensively. For yeah, for sure. Yep, yep. That but, eight, the record at home is, and the three and five record on the road is hard to argue. But, yeah, they play really massive. well. Oh, go ahead. As I say, they played really well at home against Minnesota, and then it was kind of like tail of two halves against the Chiefs defensively <laughs> they were decent in the first half but and it was pretty much no holds barred for both offenses in the second half <laughs> yeah it was interesting how that that race started it felt like everyone was kind of waiting and waiting mm-hmm. and then at the very end of the game it was like everyone was trying to score the last touchdown and everyone scored so quickly they didn't even realize that they'd given the other team more than enough time to score the next touchdown. So they kept happening, and then all of a sudden, it was after being at half, it was 24 to 9. All of a sudden, it was 43 to 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was comfortable, and then all of a sudden, it was uh, holding on for dear life. <laughs> yep. That's where it normally goes in those shootout games. Yeah. So on the defense, who has impressed you the most for the Patriots this season? I think J.C. Jackson, the rookie cornerback. He's an undrafted free agent. Uh, he's a dude who had some problems, uh, some legal problems, and had to transfer to Maryland. And so as a result, he kind of fell off people's draft boards, but supremely talented kid who came into college as a top recruit. So he wasn't, I mean, he was not by any means a scrub. And so he gets to uh, Maryland, plays really well, gets to training camp, and plays extremely well. I mean, I I feel like I was writing about him every practice. Um, It was just hard to know that he was going to stick because so many of the Patriots rookies were were playing. And Jason McCourty was weirdly sitting on the sideline for the whole training camp. But But it proved not to be a mirage. I mean, that guy... Uh, JC has um, stepped up uh, with Rowe getting hurt, Eric Rowe getting hurt. Uh, Jason McCourty took over, and then McCourty kind of had some difficulties, I guess you could say. He was struggling here and there. So I think the Patriots started basically just tossing JC Jackson into the game here and there just to see how his snaps looked. And every time, he looked really good. I mean, he had one game. I think it was the Jets, I uh, could be wrong, where he had, a f- I think, two or three penalties. Uh, and after the game, we talked to him and we said, well, you know, what, what went wrong? And he was like, I got to just get my hands off of their face masks. It's that simple. And he did that. I mean, it really ended up being that simple. And he just stopped grabbing dudes in the face, hitting dudes in the face. And, and he's been pretty much airtight since, which 
for an undrafted free agent. It's just been ridiculous to have a quarter cornerback of that quality. And when he's paired with Stephon Gilmore, you get a result like you got against Pittsburgh, where they have Juju and they have Antonio Brown and they have two 1,000-yard receivers, and the Patriots managed to really shut that offense down in large part due to those two cornerbacks. So it's been a nice uh, surprise to see J.C. Jackson emerge as uh, potentially an elite quarterback. You're still breathing, Steve? Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I've been talking to Chris about him since, like, training camp started. I just like you were saying, his ball skills are pretty incredible, especially for undrafted, even rookie in general. Like you don't usually see that from rookie yeah. corners. Usually take them two, sometimes three years to stop with the penalties. And I like how physical he is. He seems to get away with more than your average corner, I guess, because he does have his hands on receivers a lot, but. Like you said, they don't really call it on him unless it, he's, like, grabbing their face or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and um, what were you saying before? Uh, his ball skills. And you saw that in preseason mm-hmm. when he inter- he got an interception in the fourth preseason game against the Giants. So uh, it's this is all Benny. It's not like he's suddenly emerging. Like, he's he is, I think, pretty legit. Um, see the ball skills in, in New York in preseason you see him uh, you know he's getting a few interceptions over the course of the year and he's really good at high I, I wouldn't necessarily say high pointing but just getting his head around and identifying when the ball is coming in so he can make a play and break it up man you see that all over the league where guys just don't corners don't turn around you're like screaming at the TV. Most of them don't turn around. <laughs> turn around. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it was in Pittsburgh too when he uh, pulled the ball away from Juju and allowed uh, the Patriots to have a, a final shot. Yep. Uh, here it is. On third and six with two minutes left in the fourth, Roethlisberger threw at Juju. And Juju dropped the ball because J.C. Jackson ripped the ball away from him. So it wasn't a drop. It was a pass breakup. But, um, and that forced the fourth down in a field goal. So that put the Steelers up 17-10, which, guess what, meant that Brady was going to get the ball back and was going to be able to drive one last time uh, to try and tie the game. So, in essence, J.C. Jackson set Brady up to tie the game and, and ultimately – as we all know, he didn't. But mm-hmm. uh, let's say that Brady had, and let's say the Patriots had gone on to win that mm-hmm. game. I mean, that would have been an extremely clutch play by yeah. by Jackson. So he shows up. He shows up. Big moments. Um, and uh, I think he'll. I think he'll enjoy a nice, nice postseason. So you uh, have spent time in the locker room press conferences. Could you tell the listeners what that experience has been like for you? Sure. Um, you know, I was actually thinking a little bit about uh, Matthew Slater. Uh, I know this is a random tangent, but I feel like um, he's a, he's such a good guy. Um, we don't talk much about him because he plays on special teams and 
but he's a tough dude on the field and just a really nice person off the field. So when you get a chance to talk to a guy like that who will, he's not going to tell you company secrets. He's not going to reveal um, anything that jeopardizes his team. But uh, he's a dude who, who will take some time to talk to you about really whatever you want. Um, and he'll give you a thoughtful response. He's not going to brush you off. Um, so it's nice when when you get to meet, you know, a player who um, wants to sort of share the experience of football with you. I mean, obviously not, not every Patriots player is like that, uh, which is why I bring up Slater. Uh, he's a good guy. And so um, uh, I guess, uh, I, I, you know, but I guess that's why I do bring him up because uh, he, he can be a very insightful and, and helpful person when it comes to writing about the team. Um, as far as press conferences and conference calls, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about this off the air, but, um, you know, it's a good, it's a good way to learn a lot about football for people who, who aren't necessarily, who want to learn more about, you know, the new nuanced parts of football. There are a lot of beat writers who really care about the X's and O's and breaking down film and, you know, I think a lot of uh, beat writers can't write about that because it's a very small percentage of people who care about it. But Bill Belichick is one of the, the most brilliant football minds, you know, of our generation and maybe ever. And so, you know, if you're bored, you can always pull up a transcript on Patriots.com. They've got a section for it. And you can see Belichick's transcripts. And, you know, a lot of the time you can sense pretty quickly that you're not going to learn a lot from it. But um, it's it, – and it makes for dry reading. But um, sometimes you'll stumble upon, upon a few gems when you're in the press conference room or when you're reading transcripts. And, uh, you know, you can learn a lot about football. And I think I've learned a lot from the coaches uh, through these last few years on the beat that uh, you just, you know, they'll, they'll, these little nuggets they'll share every once in a while. And, for example, today, Bill was talking on the conference call. Uh, Evan Lazar asked him about identifying tendencies uh, for defenses and how the Chargers said that they knew that the Ravens were going to run the ball because of the footwork and pass the ball because of the footwork and that the footwork of the offensive line was a tell, and so they knew what was happening. Now, maybe it's – I haven't actually looked up the quote Evan was referencing, but it's pretty common – like when I was in high school and I played safety, you key on the offensive line's feet to know whether it's run or pass. So that, that's pretty common. But then Bill went on to talk about how tendencies aren't a bad thing. That if you that every team in the NFL that just doesn't worth anything has tendencies because they're good at something. So when you think about the Patriots, what are their tendencies? Well, you know they their offense is often featuring a quick passing attack. Why? Because Tom Brady sometimes can't be beat when he's efficiently throwing a quick passing attack. No matter how long you game plan for Tom Brady throwing the ball quickly, you can't beat it, right? So that's a tendency that you want to stick with and you want to keep using. So when we think of tendencies oftentimes in the football world, we think about negative tendencies, things that uh, can be exploited. But sometimes tendencies are good things, and sometimes teams rely on them because they know they can't be beaten. 
And so Bill brought that up today. It was an interesting little tidbit. Um, and so I thought, you know, one of those little things you learn. And, and maybe it's obvious to some people, but I didn't really hadn't really thought about it that way. And um, so, uh, yeah, you, you just you kind of have to be a student of the of the game as your as a reporter. And and just kind of soak it in from all these guys when they're willing to share. Well, I want to ask you to drop a name because, uh, you know, that wouldn't be professional, but are there players on that team where you don't even bother to go to for a quote? So you just know you're not going to get it. Um, no, not really. Um, I mean, there, there are players that don't really want to talk that make it clear that they don't want to talk to the media. But it's my job usually to speak to some players about some things. And so even if they don't want to talk about it, I'll probably still ask them about it. And they say, you know, I don't want to talk about that. And that's it. And you have to respect it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's the Patriots. It's a tough locker room. Um, you know, it, it's a trade-off. You know, do you want to cover a really good team, one of the best, you know, one of the most successful dynasties um, with limited access or or um, access that is sort of challenged by a culture that that is all that is sort of militant in how they, how little information they would allow to go in and out of the locker room with media. Or do you want to cover sort of a Rex Ryan team where they're willing to talk all the time, but they don't lose, but they don't win all the time. They tend to do a lot of losing. Um, so you kind of have to, you kind of have to acknowledge that where, you know, the, the play, some players are really closed off and, and sometimes they're really closed off because they're afraid of getting cut. And you kind of have to respect that, uh, as a reporter that you can push them for the questions you need to, you got to do your job. But at the same time, some of these guys are just not, not going to give you anything because mm-hmm. they are terrified. Of what of saying something wrong and getting cut the next day by Bill because they did they said something they shouldn't have or uh, did something they shouldn't have and so I uh, I think it's I can kind of respect that some of these guys are towing a fine line and are really worried about never playing football again and um, it's yeah it's 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 an interesting locker room uh, it definitely is I, I definitely also will not throw any players under the bus. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah. no, I wouldn't expect you to do that anyway. Uh, Thompson? So it looks like Josh McDaniels is sticking around at least another season. He didn't get Green Bay. He came out today and said he's pretty much done with the interviews. So do you think that hurt the offense at all this year? Like at least later in the season, not knowing if how much longer he was going to be around? I don't think so. I think I think it happens every year, and people are kind of used to McDaniel's hunting around. This year, it's even less of a distraction because he clearly had his eyes for just one job, and that was to work in Green Bay. And uh, so he, he said today that that was the only place he interviewed. He didn't even speak to Cleveland, uh, and maybe he was interested. Actually, um, Mike Giardi of NFL Media said that he might have been waiting for Cleveland to call. But ultimately, 
uh, McDaniels says he's done interviewing and he's just going to kind of pack it up and get ready to be a coordinator again next year. That he also said that he was going to be the Colts coach. <laughs> so things could change. But um, for now, he's going to be the offensive coordinator. And I think he, I don't think, I don't think one plane flight to Green Bay will really change uh, the attitude on offense. Do you think what happened with him, like basically reneging on the Colts, hurt him this year with getting interviews? I think he got an interview for the Green Bay Packers job, which is probably one of the two most desirable mm-hmm. jobs available. So maybe, maybe, you know, the fact that he only interviewed for one and, and there wasn't a ton of interest around the league, I think. The Bengals requested, and he said no thanks. Um, but, I mean, if he didn't get a Browns interview, you got to wonder maybe did the Colts situation scare them off a little bit. Um, so the answer is I, I don't know. Uh, but the but the, the what seems to be to have happened is that he got one of the most – he got interviewed for one of the most desirable jobs, you know, in the NFL. So if, if, if it did impact his – candidacy, I don't think it impacted it enormously. Hmm. What's your thoughts on Brian Flores? As a head coaching candidate or as a defensive coordinator? Just in general. Coordinator, Uh, head coaching position. Sure. Belichick, as the coach, you just, you never know how much Belichick is intervening and helping the defensive coordinator. And this year, um, the Patriots, sounds like Flores was basically the defensive coordinator. I mean, he didn't have the title. Uh, He was technically still the linebackers coach. But Bill seems to have delegated the job pretty much completely to him, to Flores. So all of the defensive Troubles and credit go, I think, mostly to Flores uh, this year. And so we talked a little bit about how complicated that defense has gotten, which is a testament to the experience of the defensive players, but it's also a testament to the coaching of Flores. And Dante Hightower said that things have been a little different and coached a little bit different and taught a little bit different under Flores. So – Maybe, I mean, maybe he's doing a nice job uh, in installing this defense. And and maybe players are responding to it a little more positively than they did with Patricia. I, I think he's an impressive candidate. I don't think it's necessarily time to hire him as a coach, though I wouldn't call it a mistake if someone did. I just think he's young and he's raw and, I mean, he technically – I mean, from a title standpoint, he hasn't even been a defensive coordinator yet. I mean, we, as I just said, like, he, he has been, but um, he, he's young. And, he, and he's and just like, you know, any other part of football, play, a player, a coach, they need to develop. They need to work on their leadership style. They need to work on their game planning ability. And I think when you realize you can get promoted to a new job, you you might start looking up at that new job that's within reach finally and start 
if you're if you're really serious about getting it, start thinking about okay, what is that person doing that's successful for them, so that I can get there. And maybe Bill, uh, maybe Flores has been absorbing Belichick's success and methodology, and and he's doing that a little bit more and a little bit more every year. And the more you absorb it, you know, the better you could potentially be as a coach. Now, obviously, it hasn't worked out for every every apple that falls off Belichick's tree. But, um, you know, it just – the more time you, you spend trying to work on becoming a head coach, uh, the better you're going to be at probably. So, um, Flores, I think, has, has some – a good chance to get a job, though, um, uh, I think, you know, because he's interviewed for so many openings. But I, I think what's, what's most likely is that he returns as a defensive coordinator next year, and I think he's going to be a very good one in 2019. Perfect. That's it for me. Anything else, Steve? I mean, that, as far as Flores, that's pretty impressive. If Bill's already kind of handed the reins over to him, so to speak. Yeah, isn't that? I think it yeah. is. Yeah, that's how Patricia started, right? He's didn't exactly. really have the title, but I don't know. Do you know if like Patricia, like right away, got handed the reins, so to speak, or has Flores been quicker at it? Patricia and Flores have taken a, a almost identical path into the role. Um, so just pulling up their bios. Uh, um, Trisha, Patricia was a linebackers coach from 06 to 2010 and safeties coach from 2011. Uh, and then he became the defensive coordinator uh, in 2012. And um, Flores did safeties coach for four seasons and Linebackers coach for now. He's technically, you know, a linebackers coach, but um, for three seasons and, and now defensive coordinator. So that's kind of a natural progression, which it's fun to suggest this because I once interviewed Steve Belichick about this topic. Uh, Steve Belichick, Bill's son, he is currently the safeties coach after being a defensive assistant. So if he gets the linebackers coach job next year and and Flores gets promoted to defensive coordinator sort of absolutely, then we've got an interesting pattern here, right, where Patricia, safety's linebacker, D.C. Flores, safety's linebacker, D.C. Steven Belichick, safety's linebackers, question mark, D.C., uh, and, and he told me that he wanted to be a defensive coordinator. And oh, he is wow. 31 years old. Um, so he'd be young, but uh, he'd be very young. But I don't know. I just like to uh, – I like to throw that out as as often as I can <laughs> because I think it's interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting tidbit. Wow. So what do you uh, – <laughs> Who do you think wins Sunday? So I picked the Chargers. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. That's kind of been my knee-jerk reaction. Is these Chargers—they went on the road. They, they, and they're extremely talented. And the Patriots have been erratic. So I think what you know, if they played a hundred times, I think the Chargers would win maybe seventy of them. It's just those thirty times. Or the Patriots could possibly beat the Chargers by like 15 points if they play well. You just don't know which Patriots offense, which Patriots offense, which Patriots defense. 
going to show up. Um, so if they execute well, the offensive line is big, make a big hole for Sony Michelle. And the defense is disguising coverage and flummoxing Phil Rivers. And you probably see the Patriots win. But I could also see all of those things being problematic for the Patriots. So I, I go, I go Chargers. Wow. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you guys are like, all right. See you later. Yeah. Well, no. Hang up on Henry. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm, I think so. Personally, we I liked think so. him until he said that. Yeah. No, we wouldn't do that. Jeez, it's <laughs> we. Uh, you know, me. I think I think the Pats will squeak it out somehow, just because they're at home. But, yeah, I could I could definitely see it. But you know, if it was out west, it, considering the road struggles that the Pats have had this year, I definitely would probably pick the Chargers, but. Just because, like I said, because it's at home, I think. Patriots squeak it out. But what do you think, Chris? Oh, I think the Patriots win. I don't think it'll be a blow-up, but I think weather's going to be a huge factor in this game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the travel, so, will be. the travel for the Chargers back and forth for the last month, maybe that catches up to them a little bit. I guess that's why they play the game, right? Play <laughs> find out. Before we let you go, where can everyone find you? Sure. Yeah, so I write on Patriots Wire, uh, PatriotsWire.com, the USA Today property. And then you can follow me on Twitter. You can look me up by putting in McKenna Analysis, M-C-K-E-N-N-A-N-A-L-Y-S-I-S. And then... I also write for the big lead. If uh, I highly doubt that anyone listening to this podcast, you know, isn't a Patriots fan, but if you are interested in the NFL at large, and you can check out my stuff on the big lead and um, follow me on on Twitter. Patriots Wire has a Facebook page. You can check that out. Uh, so yeah, that's that's where those are all the channels. Cool. So, like, the Colts, the Colts-Chiefs game, who do you think is going to win that one? Oh, that's a fun one. Uh, <laughs> I think Chiefs will win it. Oh, it's going to be close. I could go – I could really go either way. I think Arrowhead is a tough – it's going to be a tough place for the, the Colts to win. But I think the Colts will be Super Bowl contenders next year. Hmm. Heck, they're Super Bowl contenders this year. Man. They're a few games away. Yeah, I mean, their uh, they're GMs really beefed up the offensive line. Marlon Mack's a decent back for them. So, yeah, they've uh, – yeah. I actually think the Colts are going to win. But nice. If, if it goes, wow, I hope it'll – the game will be in Gillette next weekend. So, but we'll see. It's going to be a fun weekend. Wild card weekend was pretty good. So playoff time's pretty good in general. Yep. Yep. Gotta love playoff football. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, thanks again, man, for coming on. Uh, we'll uh, talk to you down the road, hopefully. Yeah, guys. Uh, have a good, uh, have a good playoff weekend, and, and take care. You thanks too. Thanks everyone for listening. You're welcome. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Yeah, wow. he was really good, huh?
That was pretty enlightening, wasn't it? Oh, that was awesome. So you want to get into the questions now from the group? Yeah, you want to start? Yep, I'll pull them up real quick. Ooh. Let's see. All right. Jimmy Troy sent in a question. Are they going to be able to keep Ingram and Bosa from getting to Brady this week? Uh, Bosa, yes. I think Ingram's more of a problem. That's going to be interesting. You, you yeah. definitely keep an eye on both of them for sure. Ingram, I, I think, moves around a little bit more than Bosa does. Yeah, Ingram. So he's like, the one you got to worry about. Ingram, if I remember right, last week he came up the middle a few times and Patriots line. Right. You know, when they have issues, it's always up the middle, and Brady hates it. So. Right. You know, he'll they'll probably get to Brady a couple times. But, yeah, right. so like I said, uh, Ingram for me more than Bosa is going to be an issue. But, yeah, maybe they go no huddle early, run right at him, try to wear him out a little bit. The possibility. Yeah. So the next question from <laughs> – Hopefully the sucky running back, Sony Michelle, has a great game. <laughs> <laughs> the next question is from Jeremiah Rice. He wanted us to do a prediction, but we know how that works out, Ooh. so we can't do that. We wanted no, to I mean, score I'll, prediction, yeah. but nope, I'll say the happening. Patriots win, but he yeah. predicted 34-30 Patriots. Yeah, I, I think squeaking it out, like – that's I guess that's squeaking it out. Um, me either. I am not giving a prediction. No, I'll just say Patriots win. Rich Gelman sent in a message. Do the Patriots need to focus on and contain Melvin Gordon and force Philip Rivers to try and beat them? Yeah, I, I mean, think so. Yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, Gordon's a good back, but last year you were at the game, and he broke off like a 75-yard touchdown run, right? Yeah, what's funny about him is he looks like he's running in concrete. <laughs> he doesn't He doesn't look like he's very fast, but he's like a bulldozer out there. Big body, you have to get – you have to definitely set the edge, no doubt about yeah. that. So, contain Gordon, and I think you have to try to – have Rivers beat you going against the top-ranked secondary currently in the playoffs. That's, I think, the plan. Yeah, and then, you you know, you got Gilmore and Jackson, two of them that can right. do it. Right. Jessica Snee wants to know if the Snee curse is real. It's real. You oh, know what? I know it. Everyone, yep. everyone knows it. He cost no me the fantasy. He cost me the fantasy football title. <laughs> Chris Adele and uh, C.J. Oliveri have very similar questions. Chris says, now that Josh says he's staying, will he be the head coach when the time comes? You all know my answer to this. That's how he <laughs> wrote it. So what, so what do you think? I'm going to say no. 
I think it's going to be Brian Flores or uh, Vrabel. I've been having this weird theory lately that it's going to be Belichick's son for some reason. Yeah, he'd have to stick around a long time for that to happen. I would think. He doesn't appear to be, he doesn't appear to be going anywhere, so. No, but I mean, like, if you're Steve Belichick, do you want to be the first one replacing your dad as head coach? Well, to be fair, if you're any coach, you want to be yeah. the person to take over after Bill Belichick. It's like taking over yeah. the quarterback from Brady. True, but no, like, thank you on being both. In the, being in the family, you know, that's like uh, like if your dad was oh, yeah. a professional boxer and you know, like, you're an up and coming pro, and that's all you get asked about is very soundly works stuff. out, does it? No. Well, Ali, James like, Con- his daughter was pretty good. <laughs> well, I mean, Ali's <laughs> Ali, so what are you going to do? Yep. James Conklin wants to know when the Patriots are going to bring back the throwbacks. I wish it was sooner, but I don't see that happening. No, I don't think they do it in the playoffs, right? Isn't that more like a regular season thing? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of the times they did it, it's when they beat Tennessee like 59 to nothing. Right. <laughs> and CJ is very similar to Chris Dow. He was wondering, you know, how about why McGinn's a stain? Is he the replacement? Going further, does he have a reputation on the league due to the coach job? Is this time in Denver still fresh in GM's minds? Well, as far as, like, the Denver thing, I mean, people are always going to look at your past, kind of gauging how you're going to do in the future. So I would think people definitely still look at him because that was the only time he was a head coach. What else are you going to look at if you're deciding to interview him or hire him for the head coaching job? But I think the Colts thing hurt him a little bit. I mean – Basically, had oh, he hired his whole staff and then he left them at the altar. Right. So to me, I mean, you would you'd have to think that you know ownership of these football teams would be a little bit leery about going down that road with them. Whether that's the case or not, I don't know. But right, I yeah, think, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, you kind of right. have to be in the room to know for sure what people are thinking, but certainly wouldn't help. And uh, Tim Wall had a pretty interesting comment about uh, McDaniel's stand. You think they'll be less conservative on play calling? And to me, I I think you need to throw caution to the wind on this one and just go for it. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to see some like jet sweeps from like Patterson, Dorsett, maybe Edelman. Run Sony Michelle. I love that guy. Well, I mean, I guess you could say that's conservative, but if you're moving the ball down the field, you know, wearing out their defense a little bit, keeping the higher powered Chargers offense off the field, it's Definitely worth it. I mean, 
They've had games where they run like over 250 yards rushing. If you could do that and score touchdowns, why wouldn't you? Right. Keep Brady from getting hit. <laughs> so you like him this weekend in the squeaker, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not giving a score. Neither are you. So no, no, I'm not doing it. Every time we've done that, they've lost. Even dating back to the Super Bowl, never again am I giving a score. Nope. Never works out. But, yeah, oh, everyone, it yeah, a lot of people say that their Chargers are the most complete team left in the playoffs. So, it's going to be a good win for the Patriots. Yeah, you're not going to be able to I complain think the about. Is at home. Oh yeah, yeah. In I mean, the if it snows, snows or not, I mean, it's still going to be like 30 degrees. It's definitely not LA weather. The travel back right. and forth for the last month for them isn't going to help them. You know, no. if the Pats can jump on them early, a couple touchdowns, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it certainly eased yeah. tension in the area, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, even if they go up a little bit early, it's not going to be the end of it. But maybe sleep, uh, put a little doubt in the Chargers' mind early. I can't wait. Right. I mean, playoff football. You know, it's another year. Yeah. They're in the they're in the divisional round of the playoffs. It's it's pretty cool. And then. If the Colts somehow pull it off in Kansas City and the Pats win, they'll be hosting next week. Yeah, like I like I've been saying for a while now, you know, <laughs> facing the Colts is just utterly disturbing to me. Oh, it's a good they're a good team. You know, that GM I don't doubt that, 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 yeah. they're easily the hottest team in football right now. Oh yeah. They won ten out of ten out of eleven. Yeah. The A hole GM oh. that Basically started the flake gates, no longer there. So, you know, the Colts, they have an offensive line. It's, they're like first or second in the league rated-wise for offensive line. Marlon Mack's a really good young running back. Andrew Luck looks pretty good. Right. So I, I think that'll, that's going to be probably the second-best game of the weekend besides the Pats game. You think the Pats game's going to be the best, or are you just saying that because you're a fan? No, I think so. I think it's going to be the best game. The I mean, I'll early. say the Pats will be the second. The Colts-Chiefs will probably be the best game. Like, what, Philly's playing the Saints, right? Is that the way it works? Philly's got the Saints, and Cowboys play the Rams. So, yeah, Philly's so, kind of interesting. Nick Foles is... Still pulling magic out of his butt. So that could be a pretty good game, too. The Rams are kind of up and down for me. Their defense isn't as good as I thought it was going to be. So you think Doss would actually pull it off? No, I don't think so. Interesting. Yeah. Probably yeah, not I either, think, but you never no. know. Football's weird. Yeah, it's definitely weird, but I just don't see it. You know, Ezekiel Elliott's, Elliott's pretty good. Cooper's decent. 
but I just don't oh, think Cooper's they'll be able good. to put up enough. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They definitely got their first round pick money's worth out of that move. I just don't think they have enough to keep up with the Rams. They'll have to win ugly. Yeah. They win. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Goff, if he has another four interception game, who knows? But right. Can't wait. It's only Tuesday. I wish it was Saturday already. Right. But it will be good. It's really weird in a sense too that they're actually playing at one o'clock on Sunday. I like it. Oh yeah, me too. I it's hate, usually I hate I <laughs> I hate late games. Yeah, I mean, Saturday at 8, so you're up till, like, at least midnight. At least. You know, now the game will be over at 4, most likely. So, it'll be different. Then we'll, basically, the Pats, by the time they kick off, they'll already know what happens next if they win. So they could know, hey, if we win, we're hosting, or if we win, that's we'll be going to Kansas huge. City. Yeah. That's going to be very big because if the Colts do indeed win, the winner of that game is going to be playing at home. Mm-hmm. You yep. could theoretically have – AFC in the NFC game being played at the same place. <laughs> how would that work? Like, seriously, like, how would that go mm-hmm. down? Because one's at uh, 6.15, I think, and the other's like 3-ish, I believe. Yeah. And they're playing on the same – well, how would they do it? Would they have to break I up the know. days? You'd have to think, you'd have to think so. <laughs> right. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Yeah, we don't want to find out. No. But that's all I got. Yeah, me too. So find us on iTunes. Search for the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. Subscribe. Give it a review. Share it with your friends. Find us on Twitter. Mine's We Play for Titles. What's yours, Chris? It's Chris underscore Blackie. And also check out patspulpit.com. Thanks again to Henry for coming on. Definitely check him out on Twitter. Follow his, and they have a Patriots Wire one as well. So follow it. It's good stuff. Have a good day or night whenever you listen to this one. See you. See ya. Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Vergecast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else. Also, you listen to podcasts, check it out.